0: You're listening to the Women's Health Cast, a podcast from the University of Wisconsin Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology. I'm Jackie Askins. With this podcast, I'm exploring issues and innovations around women's health with a little help from experts in the UW Department of OBGYN and beyond. Welcome back to our two part series on C sections. If you missed the first episode in this series, I recommend going back and listening to Preparing for Cesarean Delivery to learn about what happens during a C-section and some of the potential risks or complications. On this episode, our guest expert Dr. Ryan McDonald is back to talk about what happens after cesarean deliveries. We discuss recovery and breastfeeding after C-sections, special considerations for future pregnancies, and why, if you've been thinking about getting an IUD, after C-section might be a great time to do it. Dr. McDonald is an OBGYN and assistant professor in the UW-Madison Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology. What about immediate post-placental IUD placement with a C-section? So if somebody... Um, had planned the whole time, you know. I'm going to give birth, and then I'd like to have an IUD placed right away, and and that can already be a little more difficult than a normal IUD, like a non immediate postpartum IUD placement. Um, what complications does a C-section bring to that?
1: Uh, it so. Uh I'm, I'm very happy that you asked about this because uh, placing IUDs immediately after delivery is a relatively new thing um, in our region and I think across the country. Uh, people have increasingly, um, I should say, I think that providers and patients are increasingly realizing that an intrauterine device or IUD is extremely effective birth control and it can be placed immediately after delivery of your baby to, um, to provide those birth control benefits without having to come back for a separate appointment to get it placed. There is a slightly higher chance when we place an IUD right after delivery that it will come out. It does not increase the chance of complications otherwise. When somebody has a vaginal delivery and everything is normal, the cervix is dilated so your provider can place your IUD right up into the uterus um, and have it sit in the correct location. And as the uterus shrinks, the IUD stays right where it belongs. If somebody has a C-section, it's even easier because now a woman has an incision in the lower front of her uterus and I can insert that IUD right through the incision and place it at the top of the uterus where it belongs and slide the strings down where they belong and then close the uterine incision. It's often less likely to fall out because sometimes people who are having a C-section had a C-section because they, you know, for some reason other than labor so maybe they were somebody who had like a breech baby and their cervix is closed. That IUD is probably going to stay right where I put it.
0: So in the, in the follow-up, in, in the aftermath of a cesarean section, um, how long does it take to recover from a surgery like that?
1: I think of recovery from C-section uh, as a series of stages because recovery means different things to different people. There is actually the physical location that we call recovery, which is where a woman goes immediately after surgery with her baby and generally with her support person. Uh, And that's, that's an area in the hospital right outside of the operating room, also called the post anesthesia care unit or the PACU, where we are making sure that mom and baby are safe immediately after surgery. That's the space where um, we're making sure that bleeding is okay, and that we're not seeing um, any problems with baby's breathing, and just making sure that, that both patients are transitioning to this new state in good shape. Once moms are done in, in the recovery area, then they're gonna go to their postpartum room, and most people stay there for three days after surgery. In the very first day, mom is going to be recovering from the spinal or epidural anesthetic. So she's going to have this numbness go away and she's going to be able to start getting on her feet. She'll be walking the same day. And as soon as she's walking, then she can start going to the bathroom, emptying her bladder normally. It Usually takes two or three days before the bowels start to wake up. But that will also probably happen before she goes home. When she is ready for discharge from the hospital, she will be taking narcotic pain medicine, as well as things like ibuprofen and Tylenol, to manage the incisional pain. Most moms, by the time they leave, are able to get up and down out of bed on their own, walk themselves to the bathroom, and when they get home, I expect that they would be able to do light household activity independently. I expect that moms will be able to take care of their babies independently if they need to, although my hope is certainly that they'll have lots of support. One of the main restrictions when people go home is lifting. Most doctors recommend not lifting more than the weight of your baby for six weeks. That's a long haul, but that's important to heal some of the internal layers that you can't really see. Fortunately, the pain doesn't last quite that long. Most people's pain is pretty well controlled within a week or two and are really only having discomfort with certain movements or position changes. We do ask that people avoid driving while they're on narcotics. So that can be a week or two depending on how you recover and how your pain is.
0: So how long on average does it take for a new mom to feel closer to normal?
1: In general, I would say that most people feel like they are 80 to 90% back to normal by six to eight weeks after surgery. It might take a few more months before people have really built back their conditioning and feel like their muscles are pretty strong and are feeling like they have completely recovered.
0: How does having a C-section affect someone's plans to breastfeed after delivery?
1: Breastfeeding is super important. We know that getting skin-to-skin contact between mom and baby early helps support breastfeeding and bonding, and we don't want the need for a cesarean to get in the way of that. Many times we can have moms and babies doing skin-to-skin contact while a woman is still in the operating room finishing up her surgery. Once mom goes to the recovery room, that's where we generally start breastfeeding. So that is typically within 30 to 45 minutes of actual delivery. Locally, we have tremendous lactation support that begins immediately postpartum and, uh, and patients will find that our nurses and lactation consultants are tremendously skilled at helping people negotiate breastfeeding regardless of whether or not they had a surgery. C-section really should never be a barrier to somebody being able to breastfeed. The other thing that I think is important that many people ask about is medications that they might be given as a result of a C-section. Of course, we are very mindful of uh, avoiding medicines that would be incompatible with breastfeeding, uh, but it's always good to ask your doctor if um, if that's been considered uh, and what effect some medications might have.
0: If you have a, a patient who's had a previous C-section, interested in having more children, is there a, an optimal wait time after C-section before you would recommend they start trying again?
1: That's a great question and it's also a gray area, Uh, meaning uh, you could probably ask a dozen different obstetricians their opinion and get a dozen different answers. We know that if you have surgery, excuse me, we know that if you have a delivery too soon after a previous C-section, that that uterine scar has not healed well and that there's an increased chance of uterine rupture. The exact timing when you have reached maximal safety is the part that's debatable. Certainly waiting at least 12 months is, is clearly, um, waiting 12 months is, is well supported by the scientific literature. Some experts recommend waiting 18 to 24 months before attempting to be pregnant.
0: If someone delivers via C-section, does that kind of increase their likelihood of future pregnancies being delivered via C-section as well?
1: I would definitely say that people who have had one C-section are at higher chance of getting another Mm C-section. That does not mean that everyone needs to have a second C-section. If someone has had a previous C-section, most women are eligible for a trial of labor with their next pregnancy. In medical speak, we call this a trial of labor after cesarean or a TOLAC, T-L-O-A-C. You'll also hear the term vaginal birth after cesarean or VBAC, V-B-A-C. Uh, and I just clarify those now because sometimes I just say them without even thinking about that I'm using these very weird terms. But a trial of labor after a C-section is, uh, is something that you want to talk with your doctor or your midwife about early in your pregnancy. If you've had a previous C-section, you probably will be given the option for a trial of labor or a scheduled repeat C-section. Okay. So if we focus on a trial of labor after cesarean, one of the early things we want to do is calculate your odds of successful vaginal delivery.
0: How do you calculate the likelihood of a successful vaginal delivery? What sort of factors
1: do you consider? We have online calculators that are are validated to help us determine what someone's chance of a vaginal delivery are. For the average person who has had one C-section and is healthy, um, reproductive age woman, their chances of successfully delivering vaginally are about 60 to 80%.
0: That seems pretty good.
1: It is. And, and if the odds are that good, then that person is probably a good candidate. When we start talking about the risks of a trial of labor after cesarean, you'll see why the chances of success are so important because there is a bit of a balance between the risks and the advantages of a vaginal delivery. We certainly know that if you can deliver vaginally, that would be your very best recovery. Next safest procedure or next safest mode of delivery is actually to have a scheduled repeat C-section. The next safest, or the other way you could say it is the least safe, is to be the person who tried for a vaginal delivery, labored, and then wound up with an unplanned surgery, because that's the setting where we see the highest risks of infection and, and um, the highest risks of infection and bleeding. Unfortunately, I can only tell an individual what her odds of success are. I can't look into my crystal ball and know for sure which person's going to deliver vaginally or not. So together, we have to evaluate the risks and the advantages and make a plan together. This is always a very individualized situation.
0: What are um, some of the risks of a trial of labor after a cesarean?
1: Well, certainly the risk of infection and hemorrhage are higher in somebody who has a failed trial of labor. So that person who attempts labor and then goes on for a cesarean section is going to have higher risk of either of those issues. The other thing that is very specific to previous C-section is the risk that that uterine scar from the previous surgery breaks open during labor contractions. That's called a uterine rupture. If that happens, it can lead to life-threatening bleeding for mom or baby or both. Fortunately, we are usually able to keep moms and babies very safe, but it is an area that we are concerned about and we take extra steps to ensure the safety of, of both patients. Locally, Our hospitals are staffed with obstetricians and anesthesiologists so that we can deliver a patient emergently any time of the day. Uh, That is not necessarily available at every hospital in every community. And so in some communities, a trial of labor may not be offered because it is not felt to be safe. Uh, and it largely has to do with this risk of uterine rupture and the need for an emergent delivery. We can usually tell if a uterine rupture has happened during labor because of the fetal heart rate monitoring. So if we see signs that a baby is suddenly developed to stress, then we would urgently recommend cesarean section.
0: So we've talked about how C-sections can affect delivery in a subsequent pregnancy. But I'm curious, um, taking it a step back, does a prior C-section complicate or change a future pregnancy in general?
1: Usually, no. um, But it can. So one of the things that we are on the lookout for when somebody has had a previous C-section is where the, the placenta implants. So the placenta is what attaches the the baby to the inside of mom's uterus. And it can really insert itself anywhere inside the uterine cavity. Well, because of previous surgery, we have now a small scar on the front wall of the lower part of a woman's uterus. If a placenta attaches over the top of that scar, it actually does not hurt the baby the placenta still gets great blood flow, baby probably still grows totally normally and healthy, and likely would still deliver at term. When the placenta attaches down low like that, though, there's two things that can happen. One, it can actually block the opening of the cervix, and in that case, a woman cannot safely deliver vaginally. That the cervix cannot open without the placenta being in the way. So she needs to have a C section. But then the second issue is that the placenta, which has now attached over that scar, has an area where the interface is disturbed, and so the placenta may not be able to normally separate. That is called a placenta accreta. It basically just means an adherent placenta. But what it means for the woman is that we can't deliver a placenta without creating dangerous bleeding. And so you may be a setup for needing to have a cesarean followed immediately by a hysterectomy. So a woman could lose her uterus right after delivery. Um, That is certainly more dangerous than a hysterectomy that is done for other reasons because the uterus has tremendous blood flow to support the pregnancy. Um, And so those women often need to have blood transfusions and that is a dangerous procedure. The good news is for somebody who's had one surgery, one C-section before, the risk of this type of placental attachment issue is about 1%. So it's not a common thing that happens. But if it does happen, it's, there's nothing really we can do to prevent it. It's something that's diagnosed during that subsequent pregnancy, and then we make a plan for delivery as the pregnancy progresses.
0: Dr. McDonald, thank you so much for joining me.
1: It's been very much my pleasure talking to you about this topic that um, is such an important part of what we do.
0: We're coming up on spring break season. If your winter is half as brutal as the one we're having in Wisconsin, I'm sure a warm weather getaway sounds pretty good right about now. But traveling to tropical locations and traveling in general could present some extra challenges for people who are pregnant. On the next Women's HealthCast, I'll talk with Katie and Tony to get an update on Zika virus risks for pregnant travelers, as well as helpful safety tips for traveling while pregnant. Dr. Antony is a maternal fetal medicine specialist in the UW-Madison Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology. Women's HealthCast is a production of the University of Wisconsin-Madison Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology. This episode was produced and engineered by Rob Garza. You can subscribe to Women's HealthCast on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WISCOBGYN please let us know how we're doing. Rate and review us on your podcast app and let us know what women's health issues you would like to learn more about. Thanks for listening.